0: Section 58 of a fair mystery This is a librebox recording all librebox recordings are in the public domain For more information or to volunteer please visit librebox.org Recording by Gabby Cowan A fair mystery by Bertha M Clay Chapter 58 The new beauty discussed a group of young aristocrats stood in the billiard-room of Barr's club some one had played a game and won it some one else had lost there had been high betting but strange to say for once money had lost its charm billiards their attraction i am told," said the honourable charlie Balsober that it is a treat to look at her. My sisters were both at the drawing-room, and they declare that they have seen nothing like it. Women cannot judge of women, said Major Maitland contemptuously. The Honorable Charlie looked up haughtily. My sisters are as good judges of beauty as any one in England, he said hastily there can be no question about it interrupted lord percy lady studleigh is par Excellency, the beauty of the season i saw her myself and-well it takes a great deal to satisfy me but she did it we shall have the noble percy spurred and boot, going in for a conquest laughed another no my dear boy I am fortunately for me in the full possession of all my senses I took my own measure very accurately long ago and I for one should never aspire to such a conquest as that of the lady lay what a rare and touching humility laughed a fair-haired officer i should like to see this paragon at that moment they were joined by a tall handsome man Who, until that moment, had been standing alone at the billiard table, practising a stroke he wished to master, he sauntered to the little group. I have not heard one word that you have been saying, but, from the peculiar expression of Pierce's face, I would wager that you are talking of beauty in some shape or other. He said, "We are talking of a new star." Which has suddenly arisen in the fashionable skies, the beautiful golden-haired lady Stodley, Lord Linley's daughter, what of her? asked Lord Charles Vivian? If any interesting, tell me quickly at this moment, the click of the billiard balls is sweeter to my ears than the praise of a fair woman. It is my opinion, said Colonel Clifford, laughing, that in Vivian's case a burnt child dreads the fire. A little bird whispered to me some romantic story about Florence and some lovely being to whom he was devoted there. Lord Vivian turned fiercely on him, so fiercely that those present looked grave. It would be as well for you, Clifford, he said, to refrain from talking of that which does not concern you. My dear boy, replied the colonel, I meant no harm. If I had known that Florence was a sore subject with you, I would not have touched upon it. Who said it was a sore subject? cried Lord Vivian passionately. Then seeing that in all probability a quarrel would ensue, Major Maitland interfered. We are forgetting the subject under discussion, he said. You ask me what it was, Lord Vivienne? We were speaking of the wonderful beauty of Lady Stotley, the handsome Earl's daughter. Have you seen her yet? No, he replied. I have not then by all means contrive to do so the prince of uh, is almost wild about her every one ought to see her just to know what a really beautiful woman is like then colonel clifford anxious to make up the quarrel went off in a long and rapturous description of the fair lady's beauty and grace i shall be sure to see her said lord vivianne briefly to tell the truth i do not feel much interested a beautiful face is a rarity and the chances are ten to one the owner is either a sipleton or a flirt i for one shall not offer my admiration at the new beauty's shrine au revoir and with his usual proud careless step lord vivianne walked away The others looked curiously after him. I never saw a man so completely changed in all my life, said Colonel Clifford. He used to be so good-humoured, fond of a jest, unable to bear any amount of teasing, and now, one word, and he is like a madman. I shall begin to think what I have heard of him is true. What is that? asked the honourable charlie balsover i was told that he fell in love at florence i did not hear all the particulars but i was told that he completely lost his heart there he never had a heart to lose said one who was the lady asked another i do not know some one said she was a princess in disguise others that she was of low origin but of marvellous beauty The whole affair was a mystery. Some said she was English, others that she was Florentine. In any case, it is believed that she jilted him and he has never been the same man since. He used to boast that no woman had ever resisted him. I believe that he fancied he was irresistible. Perhaps he does not like learning his lesson the biter generally gets bitten said the honourable Charlie. i should not wonder if some one has avenged the wrongs of the sex upon him he has certainly gone to great lengths why not call a spade a spade said major maitland give his follies the right name he has broken more hearts ruined more homes dragged more fair faces through the dust than any man of his age in england serves him right i say if he has something to suffer in his turn which was all the sympathy lord vivianne received when he was supposed to have suffered at the hands of a woman he thought but little over what had been said about lady studleigh men were always making idols of some woman or other he said to himself if they choose to go mad in crowds over the handsome earl's daughter let them i for one shall not join them it had been a great blow to him the loss of doris that one love was the master passion of his life he had not intended it to be he had only thought of her at first as one whose beauty was well worth the winning afterward when her strange fascination her wonderful grace her marvelous talent and wit had abound him fast in her chains he gave her the one great love of his life none the less fierce and passionate because he had had many love affairs while they were still at florence he had made up his mind to one of two things either to be true to her all his life, and spend all his life with her, or to marry her. As his love increased, his scruples died away. He would marry this beautiful girl, whose coldness had a charm for him that nothing else ever possessed. His love grew fiercer, as she grew colder. He had made up his mind that she should never be parted from him that he would slay anyone who tried to separate them when he found that she had left him, many long months did he spend in searching for her he had quite decided what to do when he did find her if anyone had bribed her to leave him the crime should be most dearly avenged he would tell her that he was willing to make her his wife and then he would marry her Marry her, he repeated the words to himself, with a bitter laugh. He would have done anything, have slain her and killed himself, rather than leave her again, or let her go out of his life. She would, of course, be delighted to be Lady Vivian. It was not likely that she would refuse such an offer. He sneered at himself for being willing to make it, He sneered at himself for his own great, overwinning love. He hated himself because it had won such power over him, because it had humbled him even to the joke of marriage. I shall be the first Vivian who has ever done anything of this kind, he said to himself, yet all the same he resolved to do it. Having wrought himself up to this height of heroism, it was humiliating in the stream to find it all in vain. He could find no trace of the girl he intended to marry. Whether she had left him in a fit of a pique because he had not married her, whether she had gone away in a sudden access of sorrow or regret, he did not know. He was only sure of one thing. She was gone. Had she left him for anyone else, or in one of her sudden caprices she was capricious enough for anything it was just one of the things that she was likely to do for all he knew she had been near him all the time she was quite capable of that he knew that to her his long search his fever of anxiety his despair would only be a comic entertainment yet knowing all this judging her as he did believing with the whole force and power of his soul it was the influence that a wicked woman does obtain at times over a wicked man and it is stronger than any other he came to england at last despairing to hear any news of her abroad he argued to himself that if she were still in italy he should certainly have heard of it a face like hers could be remarked everywhere. He should have heard of this golden haired beauty, whose style of loveliness was one so rarely seen in sunny Italy. He had been in London now for some weeks, but he had heard nothing and was puzzled what to do next. He never dreamed of looking for her there in the upper world of fashion. He had no idea not even the faintest of ever seeing her. If she were the reigning star in any other world, he would have heard of her before this. With his mind so perplexed and agitated, his soul tossed on a tempest of love. He had not thought to spare for anyone else. Let people rave about Lady Stottley. Let her be as beautiful as she would she could not surpass doris in the meantime lady studleigh was creating a sensation to which the fashionable world had long been a stranger she was the queen of the season Hyde house was the most popular resort in london to be admitted there was to have the entry to the most exclusive circle to be unknown there was to be unknown to fame. It was not often that one house held two such women as the Countess of Linleigh and the Lady Stotley. The Countess was all grace and suavity and high breeding; Lady Stotley, all brilliancy, beauty and wit. Even old courtiers, who had some of the first beauties of both empires declared that there was nothing to equal her another great attraction to all clever people was the constant presence of the now famous poet Early murray at hyde house his conversation was a great charm although some wiser and more thoughtful than others said it was hardly right to expose a young and talented man like Erlie Murray to the constant fascinations of lady doris Studleigh, she bore her triumph with a certain grand calm that impressed her parents wonderfully race does tell after all said the duchess as she watched the young beauty any other girl would have shown some elation at the great amount of admiration offered lady Studleigh shows none after all race will tell invitations came for a royal ball and it was remarked by all present that the whole of the royal circle seemed to look upon the proud young beauty with great favour then came invitations to a royal concert one of the young princesses whose marriage was then on the tapis declared that she would have the lady doris on the list of her bridesmaids no fete was considered a success without her a ball without lady studley was almost a failure that girl has homage enough paid her to turn her head said the heir laughingly to his wife the countess sighed my dear ulric she said i think it would require a great deal to move either her heart or her head both seem to me equally safe you always sigh when you speak of doris why you sit dear," asked lord linleigh i cannot help wishing that she had less beauty and more love she replied there are many perils in this world perils of soul and of body but i think the greatest of all is certainly the perils of beauty I think you are right, observed the Earl, but we must hope, having escaped so far, she will escape the rest End of chapter fifty eight recorded by Gabby Cowan.